the difference between StackBits and pretty much any other solution is that we run all this stuff on the front end. So your project uses your browser's computing power to run everything. We just pretty much store the text files, including containing the code. So what it means for us is that we like we don't pay for running your project. Uh, in other playgrounds like this or online code editors, they run on remote virtual machines. And that means that it costs. So at some point, this cost needs to be paid by someone. So you either get like a low free tier or you have to pay, right, for seconds of compute power. Hello and welcome to PodRocket. Uh, I'm Noel, I'm an engineer at LogRocket, and today I am joined by Tomek Sokowski. I said I'd do as best as I could, that's what I've got. How's it going, Tomek? That's perfect. Uh, hi, Noel. I'm, yeah, I'm so happy to, to be here. I'm, I'm great and I'm ready to talk with you. <laughs> awesome, awesome. So Tomek is a founding engineer um, and dev relations at StackBlitz, so we'll kind of get into what that is and, and what that works or what, where that kind of fits into the developer space. But I think before we kind of dig in there, uh, can we start by talking about web containers and what those are and why you guys are working on them? Um, sure, yes. Yeah. So web containers is um, a name we've come up to um, describe what you can, probably the shortest way to describe it is uh, open, uh, OS in a browser. So basically, um, you, for example, if you if you have a Node.js uh, application, uh, typical backend stuff, uh, you need to run it locally uh, on your computer, and that's because Node, the whole idea behind behind Node, was that it can communicate with your OS, use the file system, open ports, things like that. So we've created. Uh, our own uh, very lightweight operating system. So we can run all this stuff, file systems and uh, things like that in, in the browser. And that's web containers. Nice, awesome, awesome. So how does that how does that kind of fit into StackBlitz? Like, why do you guys care about that? Uh, sure, so StackBlitz initially, it was created by uh, Eric Simons and uh, Albert Pai, uh, two friends, uh, all-time friends who, had a company that was doing uh, workshops, Angular workshops. Angular was all like the, the super hot thing back then. And they realized what probably every other like uh, workshop trainer realizes is that s- setting up machines, setting up the projects themselves take just like painfully a long time for for any workshop, whatever you teach uh, in the development space. So they've created StackBlitz to have that instant environment to run Angular apps. First, at first, that was basically Angular, JavaScript, things like that. Then uh, we grew the the capabilities to run other front end um, libraries and frameworks. But you know, JavaScript is not only about front-end uh, these days. There's a lot of uh, cool, interesting stuff in the back-end too. So we needed a way to run uh, uh, back-end stuff in StackBits. So 
pen-swip containers. Nice, perfect, cool. Yeah, so yeah, I want to get, I want to dig further into web containers and stack blitz and how all that's working. Um, but to kind of help help lay the ground here, how did you find yourself uh, like working at Stack Blitz and like what was your what was your background before you were here? Um, actually, I was also running workshops for for a long time, and that's also at this point we have probably like seven or eight people in StackBlitz that are still running or used to be um, IT trainers of some of sorts. So this is like very much a DNA of StackBlitz. So as I was running them and, and, and um, talking with a lot of experience and beginner developers, I realized that there are a lot of things that are just like just outside of the reach of of someone's experience or someone's knowledge. So a lot of very cool stuff in that broad space that a lot of people don't know about, even though it's relatively easy, of course, like easy is a, is a subjective term, but like reachable. So I started doing uh, the, these like tips on Twitter that these days it's it's very popular <laughs> way of, of, of gaining momentum, but uh, yeah, I started doing them a lot and just teaching and uh, out there. And once I decided to to uh, switch switch my career into like back to like working on on developer tooling and things like that, um, yeah, we we found ourselves with Stackblitz. So that was I was already also using Stackblitz at this point because of the teaching. So yeah, much made in heaven, really. Nice, nice. I, I wasn't aware that like there was so much of kind of an education centric background to like with the founders and then uh, I guess like with the platform as well. Which I guess it makes sense to me now now that I'm hearing it. Um, but yeah, how does that how does that kind of background like influence what you guys are working on and how you you know try to direct the the product? Uh, yeah, good question. It's it's an interesting because it it um, very naturally um, and consistently evolved into other spaces because you can define education in very broad terms and like initial like image you can you you have in your mind is school is workshops boot camps things like that so that was our first uh, focus but then documentation that's also uh, education right so for for a long time we we focused on making this as uh, flexible as and as as universal tool for teaching and uh, documenting javascript stuff uh, as possible um so that was kind of like the second step and and once web containers became stable and uh, we realized that we can run actual like real life tooling in, in them and uh, now we're working towards like more real life scenarios too nice nice uh like i said what do you mean what do you mean by web container stability like what do you guys feel is the acceptable bar where like you know it's safe to start for devs to start kind of relying on and exploring building in this way so it yeah that that's a that's a great question because it's it's not um it's not a zero one uh, answer to like or, or status, so to speak. So um, deciding that web containers is stable was kind of a judgment call 
first, uh, at the, when we released them in May last year, we had a launch partner with Vercel and the, by supporting Next.js. And I think that was the, the, like the first one. And we had a couple more frameworks in the next couple of weeks. We started gradually adding them as we were testing them with the content, with the framework creation, with the, the creators, on, with the community. And at some point we realized that we kind of like support even more than we know. So like people were, were actually coming to us and actually, can you add this starter for my library? Because it's, it's working. We are actually using it for reproductions and things like that. So once this become like quite uniformly supporting everything, <laughs> we decided, okay, that's, that's, we can, we can uh, take off the beta label and, and that's, that's works fine. Nice. Yeah. So can, can you kind of, I guess, yeah, while we're on, while we're on the topic and kind of digging into web containers a little more, can you, can you explain in a bit more depth, like how, how that's actually working? Like, how are we running node apps in the browser? Like if I open up, you know, um, the, the editor, the Stackbooks editor, and I like have a new project, like how is that, how is that backend actually running in my browser? Uh, so that's the, so basically if you think about node, it's, uh, it's, taking the browser engine, the core, and running it against the OS, right? So we needed to build like this, this basic build, building blocks and of, of an OS. So things like file system, we, we have our own uh, file system written in Rust. Uh, we have our own uh, networking, uh, networking uh, layer um, that is uh, working all within within a browser. So, yeah, kind of like to be honest, to me <laughs> and to many of our more front end engineers, the, this is kind of a black magic because <laughs> because uh, uh, our core tech is has been working on this for pretty much almost two years before released it. At this point, it's it's more than than three years so they figured out very cool uh, ways of of solving very tricky problems uh, including things like um, so for example parts of the node ecosystems are uh, binaries that you need to compile against you your your architecture like your os and that will not run directly like as is in in the browser right so um thankfully a lot of them of, of this kind of uh, tools that, that, that provide these binaries also have now the um, wasm version that is compatible with the browser so actually uh, one of our engineers uh, dominical uh, uh, added that contribution to node where you can opt into using that um, alternative version of a dependency if it runs if it's possible, right? So we kind of like, uh, besides just, you know, working, the, the, trying to solve these problems uh, that are just technically difficult, we also needed to work with the community in this in, in this instance with uh, Node um, ecosystem to, to, to make this possible. Enjoying the podcast? 
consider hitting that follow button for even more great episodes. Yeah, you kind of you kind of spoke to like more front end centric devs. Let's say like you're a dev and you're only really doing like front end development work right now. Like you're not typically running a, a local node backend server. Are there still benefits to like switching to something like StackBlitz? I would say the first uh, era of StackBlitz, so to speak, was was geared toward making the front end as as uh, you know developer friendly as possible. So that web introducing web containers only made this more um, powerful, really, because as any front-end developer, you need to run a node tooling. So for example, you can just as well as you do locally, you can use Netlify CLI to deploy your stuff uh, from your browser in this case. To, to Netlify, so or use any any other you know command line uh, tools. So yeah, definitely. And and why would you use that in, instead of uh, local uh, as as front end developer? That's uh, one uh, that depends on who you are as a developer, like what what is your focus. But for me, for example, I do a lot of demos, and I have in, in Stackblitz, I have. Let's let's let me check. So I, I am exact, but I have two thousand and two projects. Multiply it by uh, the average node module size, <laughs> and you might have some like need some additional drives. That's the first thing. The second big thing is that uh, the security aspect, and that's that's uh, you know if if you just look uh, for uh, npm security. That is kind of like a Pandora's box waiting to be open uh, because you run it against your OS. Uh, and it's it's like even in VS Code, when you open a new folder, VS Code asks you, uh, can we trust this thing? <laughs> and you need to add... Pretty like, recently, right? That's, that's like last few versions that check has been introduced. Yeah. Yes, exactly, mm-hmm. and I, I must say, like this, this gives me like, uh, like I, I'm, I'm not sure if I can actually add this thing that I'm like running. I'm not checking all these NPM. So, in Stackbits, you run it all in the like security of a browser sandbox, so you're safe. So that's the security aspect. And third, it's kind of similar to that content creator. Even if you're not content creator, sometimes you just need quickly to test out something you and instead of you know running uh, creating new uh, folders npm init stuff you can just go to vit.new/react or whatever else and you have the running app simple like baseline app in in literally like 2 seconds like a lot of a, a lot of um, open source also uses for reproductions so if you, as a as a consumer of a library, you spot a bug, you use Stackblitz to make a reproduction and send it to the content cre- uh, to to the uh, maintainers. And features uh, issues like that are way more likely to be solved uh, to the point where in in some projects maintainers just don't accept issues without reproduction. Right. Yeah, no, that makes sense to me. I guess yeah. While we're, while we're, while we're on the topic of um... Yeah, like issue reproduction like that. How how does that experience work? Like say say you're a maintainer on a project and you're trying to like 
direct people as to how you want reproductions and like how does stack blitz compare to something like the like code pens or code spaces of old like the other online you know front end code environments uh yeah so that's that's interesting that there there is a lot of variety and as as in both the functionalities and how the compute model works and this may seem like an implementation detail, but it's it, it, but it's also crucial for the user. So things like CodePen, for example, or JS Fiddle, I guess, they're more more geared towards mm, making like these demos where you have like several files and uh, just focus on that. It's like so, it wouldn't really be a copy of what you're experiencing on your like main project on, on your actual project right so i think it's they're definitely useful especially like with the uh, i know that with uh, css like demo scene so to speak the, the the code pen is is very highly regarded because they have really nice like previews for it but it's like for visual demos it's uh, and if you want to you know, reproduce CSS stuff definitely. Uh, I think it's a, it's a not not a bad choice. As for other things, stagblitz looking things, so to speak, where you have the uh, the whole like file tree and even maybe terminal. Um, the difference between Stackbits and pretty much any other, and exactly any other solution is that we run all this stuff on the front end. So we use your project uses your browser's computing power to run everything. We just pretty much store the text files, including the uh, containing the the code. So what it means for us that is that we like we don't pay. <laughs> For your your running your project, uh, in other uh, playgrounds like this or code online code editors, they run on uh, on uh, remote virtual machines, and that means that you like it costs right. So at some point, this cost needs to be uh, paid by someone. So you you either get like a low tier. Uh, low free tier, or you 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 have to pay right for seconds of compute power yeah that makes sense to me so yeah let's let's talk about like that juxtaposition a little bit in a little bit more detail of like you know these like container vm based cloud develop cloud development environments versus um you know like a, a local but browser based development um so yeah like i feel like the obvious comparison or the you know would be something like uh, code spaces i guess the github one right that's what it's called code spaces um yeah so in that world, like you're running VS Code locally still, or in the browser, but either way, however you want to do it. And then the, all your execution is then happening in a VM or in a container that's like managed on other infrastructure. Um, and I feel like, you know, a lot of the promise there was in like, you don't have to deal with like interoperability stuff, like weird machine nuances, things like that, or like, you know, performance bottlenecks on the local machine. You can have this whole big thing. Are there certain projects then that are better suited towards like local or, you know, um, remote development, like on a container versus, um, you know, like projects that are well suited to stack blitz running 
locally on your machine? I think it might come down to capabilities because uh, with the remote machine, you're, you're getting pretty much like a Linux kind of deal. And I, I think you can run like all the stuff, all the languages that you can run on, on, on Linux. So basically everything, while web containers uh, only support for now, only is well, that's not actually true as of last month, but uh, by 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 design, it supports um, you know node ecosystem. So that's I, I guess point towards um, remote VMs. I'm just kind of joking about uh, about uh, not only supporting node ecosystem because uh, Astro um, folks managed to run PHP in Astro in Stack Blitz. So you actually can run now a PHP using JavaScript in the browser on the on the front end sites, which is uh, <laughs> breaks breaks my mind. Um, yeah, but the the big I think difference uh, on on our side because besides the cost and actually also performance uh, is that we can run if you have network issues. So we can actually run offline. Um, that's why I, I tend not to use like the online IDE uh, name for, for Stackbiz, but more like a browser IDE. It works in a browser, but it doesn't have to be online. It's Emily again, producer for PodRocket, and I want to talk to you. Yeah, you, the person who's listening but won't stop talking about your new favorite front-end framework to your friends, even though they don't want to hear about it anymore. Well, I do want to hear about it because you're really important to us as a listener. So what do you think of PodRocket? What do you like best? What do you absolutely hate? What's the one thing in the entire world that you want to hear about? Edge computing? Weird little component libraries? How to become a productive developer when your Wi-Fi is out? I don't know, and that's the point. If you get in contact with us, you can rant about how we haven't had your favorite dev advocate on or tell us we're doing great, whatever. And if you do, we'll give you a $25 gift card. That's pretty sweet, right? So reach out to us. Links are in the description. $25 gift card. Yeah, there's there's like some interesting challenges there probably in like naming and what we mean when we say certain things because you're like browser IDE I think does imply remote development right now like for better or worse so I feel like that is that is a hard thing because I, I imagine most most devs coming into this like that are not aware of kind of the, the stack blitz model like that's always the assumption right it's like any code editing I'm doing in the browser is always like running externally how do you guys like kind of dispel that what's the easy, what's the easiest way to explain this especially to someone new again like that doesn't like they're trying to come into web dev they're like trying to figure out a million things how do you also explain to them like okay but you should use an ide that's in the browser but technically running locally because then you get all of these benefits um honestly we don't <laughs> it's especially if you're if you're very new uh, it's also confusing and uh I like I've been in this space for twenty almost twenty years, and but I've been talking with with people that are new all the time. So hopefully I, I I'm not losing that perspective. But you have 
you know, without, with all the you know, server side uh, rendered or generated? Or is it like, you know, a single page app? Why is it even a single page? Even these concepts are actually usually like flying above your head and you get a grasp of it in, in a while. So if you add the craziness, to be honest, what we do in StackBlitz, it's, it's probably counterproductive. But so what we focus uh, on is, is speed, basically. Uh, so with using StackBlitz, you have zero latency because you're, if, even if you run your code uh, locally, it's still, it's still going through your actual like, network, uh, TCP network, Tag. Oh, like local host locally, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And here we have this virtualized, so it's actually even faster than local. And that's, to me, I, that was always always the most enticing thing about uh, front-end uh, in general, the speed that you have, the fast feed, uh, feedback loop. So to us, it's, it's all about speed and security. Once you know more or less what's happening, what's going on. As a, as a beginner, you start to ask these questions and we already have the answer that this is more secure. In practice, there is also one uh, important difference is that oftentimes things just hang, right? And there's not much you can do about it. If this is a remote VM, if you reconnect to it, you, re- you are reconnecting to a hanged VM. In in our case, you just refresh the page and everything just starts anew, including even, you know, installing NPM dependencies. So you get, you know, super fresh environment on each uh, page reload. Got it. So let's say, let's say I'm just, uh, I, I haven't, I haven't used StackBlitz a ton and I'm, I'm sure like there's a large subset of listeners who haven't either. So say I'm doing local like dev with StackBlitz. And I've got my web app open. Is do I still get those benefits of like the browser not not needing to go to like the local host network interface to do communication? If I'm like developing into like separate windows, for instance, I guess the question I'm getting at is, can I refresh my app that I am developing without refreshing the like environment that is running it? Yeah, definitely. You can actually run it in a separate window, uh, in several windows, uh, in fact. So. You can you can like do your own uh, responsive layout uh, setup when you have like several, several windows and they all like uh, automatically update. You can, yeah you can definitely you can even like open different pages whatever you you do on on local you can do it here as well. Gotcha, gotcha. So okay, yeah, that makes sense to me, and I, I think I can I could totally understand the difference in responsiveness, especially uh, against developing against. Like when developing against an external machine, right? Like a whatever a VM in the cloud, does does that does that speed increase? You said like it's even faster than like going over local hosts, like through the actual network interface. Is that speed increase? Is that is that tangible for most people? Because I feel like locally, my requests are still like instantaneously fast. Still, is there is there are there cases where it's like oh that is measurably performantly like you know different yes so there is an interesting angle to it because like if i just honest question uh, do you, what how do you feel it, when comparing a web app to the same kind of like desktop app which is faster uh i get i think 
it, I think I think I've used web apps. I would say historically that have felt as responsive as desktop apps. Not all, but I think like some more like focused, less bloated ones do. But a lot, not that's. I would say that's not the norm. You know, like there's usually web overhead. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So that's that's like the the kind of intuitive answer, I think, uh, or a feeling that, that a lot of us have. And uh, thankfully, as as you say, like a lot of these tools are focusing or like, the frameworks i mean are focusing on you know performance as the like first uh, first priority and that's great but that's one um, um one um aspect of of using stack blitz that we were surprised ourselves because some of our users that use very like um low computer uh, low powered machines were reporting to us that they are using stack blitz because it's faster than their local setup and here's why because your typical local setup as a front end or back end uh, javascript back end developer consists of vs code probably um, some node uh, running at least a dev server but like uh, spinning up uh, different processes and browser, right? And each of these had the, um, have their own uh, V8 engine running, right? So uh, VS Code is, is of course like the um, using Electron, so it's like running its own kind of in the, within its own browser node again and and browser again so instead stackblitz uses runs in in the browser so it uses the same browser engine the same instance instead it uses like a thing that's called v8 isolates that makes it like dividing the the tasks very very uh, fast and and safe and secure so it is it is actually noticeable like even without measuring it's noticeable uh, with a, like a naked eye on, on low, lower powered machines, but also on the uh, if we if we measure it, we actually have noticed differences even in things like npm installs. Uh, our engineers are doing a really groundbreaking uh, work with uh, how to speed up uh, installing things. So if you install. Uh, npm uh, like npm install locally and and stackblitz is often oftentimes uh, faster especially once it's mm, it's cached by browser then it's like instant <laughs> yeah that I was actually my next question was like what 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 is cached like if I if I refresh refresh my IDE page with stackblitz like what is cached what needs to be rebuilt when the page finishes like loading uh just the external resources are are cached so so but the most important part is is the npm dependencies where it's like as as you know it's usually like megs of uh of code <laughs> uh so so this this part is cached but uh, besides that the the your app is rebuilt uh, from scratch so when you uh, refresh uh Stackbits project that is web container based, uh, you will see like npm installs and it will be just like, you know, 25 times uh, faster. And then, you know, running npm start 
and that takes the same amount of time that it uh, would uh, on a first start. Gotcha, gotcha. Is that is that the same? Um, I guess so. Like, say say there's some issue like with the node modules folder. Like, I'm I'm thinking of cases that typically in in local dev where I've got to like blow away the node modules folder and rebuild. Is that ever an issue in Stackblitz? Like, do I have to tell it to clear its cache, or is that not a problem that arises? Uh, we haven't noticed that, but that's that's basically uh, the, the, I think in our introduction introductory post for web containers was like that. This is like instead of uh, RM RF, you know, node modules, you just do a page refresh, and that that does the deal. Gotcha, gotcha. So is so is the caching then of the node modules folder and its structure, or is it like the resources that go into? building the like and you know the end state modules folder that ends up getting used no it's it's I, I i if i remember correctly it's like the resolved resources nice yeah that makes sense to me um yeah so you you touched briefly on like kind of you know teams teams using this in production and just like you know users in general are there i guess you know, for devs out there who are on a team that maybe isn't using something like this now, they're just in a more traditional environment. Is it is it possible for like, you know, if you bring your own IDE, say you're in an org where there's no opinions on that, is it possible to use kind of stack blitz with a typical, you know, node project that may not be, um, not have been designed with stack blitz kind of in mind around it? To be honest, it is it's kind of like a golden, golden path Kind of thing, so you might be able to do it. For for now, we are focusing more on on teams that work on um, uh, design systems. For example, a lot of our uh, enterprise clients use Stackbits for for maintaining their uh, design systems for libraries. Um, but if you like have more typical like crude uh, database connecting app. Uh, that's not yet our um, guarantee, <laughs> so to speak. We are working on on making that happen. That's uh, like I internally think about it as like third uh, age of of stack blitz, um, and that should. Uh, yeah, I, I will. I will talk. Uh, I will want to talk a little bit more about uh, upcoming VidCon, but we will be announcing some interesting stuff of uh, around that in two months, actually. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, well, we sh- we'll, we'll kind of wrap. We'll wrap our conversation with like upcoming and future stuff. Um, so let's say though that you have a like a GraphQL API that's serving all of the data, but like say, yeah, say you still got like a backend server that's uh, like a Rails app or a Django app or something, right? Um, but you've got a GraphQL API that's like kind of an intermediary layer that's actually serving all the requests that the browser is consuming. Is like, is it possible then, or is it feasible, or have you maybe seen people doing it where they still run that old service, spin up like the GraphQL API in Stackblitz, and then have like their front-end dev work still happening in that manner? Or is that not really very easy right now? At this point, it's it's not possible because how web containers work, it's it's not yet possible to connect to the browser from the outside world, so to speak. Yeah, yeah so is there, is, is, the hard, is like the hard membrane there like data support at all? Or, or is there any way... Like, does the does the whole app need to be kind of contained in that in that backend piece for this to work, or is there any like kind of hybrid system that one can't get running? 
That's that's the idea. I think you can connect to like if if you have your like developer um, database is is uh, also like like if you're using Firebase, which a lot of developers use and things like that. That's that's the, totally doable. We we have been doing a lot of demos like that, and I yeah we we have people using it uh, like this. But besides that, it's it's best if it's if it's contained within a web container. You can actually use uh, um, SQLite um, in web container. We, we we do support it because it comes with a Wasm uh, version. So uh, yeah, that 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 is doable. Nice. Yeah, I I just I think to take a step back. Yeah, like I, I do think the the um, like security argument is is a very compelling one and kind of like all the benefits of local development but without the like i guess being able to lean on like the membrane of the browser to like kind of keep you isolated um that that to me seems like super uh like super beneficial kind of to your point of as you know increasing number of vulnerabilities are introduced through node modules and everyone kind of has these fears and the native ides are coming up with warnings every time you open a new project now Um, and it's kind of like if you think about it, like if you, if you zoom even more out, it's kind of ironic that we as web developers can't use web browsers to build web stuff. Why, like, as we're talking, like me and you right now, we're using a web app to do it. We, we didn't have to install a thing, right? So, and, and now like, uh, you know, People use Figma to design stuff. Uh, people use like various stuff to to produce music. Of course, you have like uh, Google Suite to do like your taxes yeah. or your all of the business, mind. everything, any normal business operation. And it seems like it's on, only like us left on the on the field, which as as developers we can't use a browser. So that's yeah, it's definitely something that needs to needs. To, it's 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 due to to happen, and yeah. We we hope that it's it, it is actually already happening in some on, on some levels, especially if you're an open source uh, maintainer, uh, you can you can certainly use StackBlitz and for not only reproducing stuff but also doing like PRs from it, um, and you want to make it way way more uh, feasible first before we jump into this like your typical CRUD app. Yeah, I guess on that note, how do you guys um, like test? Like, what is the what's that process look like when you like push a change to how something works in either the um, like web containers flow or in like the editor itself? Like, how does that how's that testing process look? I'm I'm just it's it's a podcast, so you, you, people won't see my face. But we've been talking uh, like today uh, hours and this week uh, uh, several hours about that. We uh, thankfully like the, we have uh, especially around web container because it's tricky to notice. Uh, we we have series of of tests, but we probably will uh, soon move, transition into something that, uh, and you can look it up uh, like how Veet um, uh, team is doing it. It's a very like clever setup when they or they have. Uh, when they are running with against like various uh, frameworks uh, that are some of like they're built in some of them are external so you can actually this is a whole communities 
effort. And we are working very closely to VEAT uh, to both help them, but also use some of their best practices to help us because this is basically the very similar use case, right? We don't want to push anything to a container that breaks, well, let's say it's FeltKit or something, right? Right, totally. Yeah, we had um, uh, Matthias uh, on. Yeah, I was I was talking to him like uh, like two weeks or not two weeks, a couple months ago. Um, yeah, go back and find that. Go find listeners. Go back and find that episode if you want more because he like we talk about it at length. Um, and it sound, it does sound like a very cool testing system. Um, and yeah, we'll try to get a link to that episode in the show notes too, so people can find it easily. I guess on that note, what's upcoming? What do you want to kind of steer listeners to? What's uh, what's on the roadmap? What should people check out? Uh, so, what is on the roadmap? I like we are kind of working on something something uh, really big that is on the scale of of web container of introducing web containers, pretty much. And so, I, I can't tell tell much about all of the pieces <laughs> but what i can uh, say specifically is that we uh, one of the things that we are working on is um, better git implementation basically right now when you use stackbits you can connect to uh, you can uh, create a new repository from your stackbits project you can push to it you can change branches so you can pull it, the, the changes down. So it's cool because you are not, you know, tied to stackbits. You can keep, you know, uh, pushing stuff to your projects from local or whatever you, however you uh, you feel like. But the, that Git implementation is is very minimal. It's basically what I what I just said. That that's it. That's not the whole Git, right? So we are working on pretty much full fledged Git Git implementation. Uh, which on its own gives you a um, uh, way more uh, like real life production ready workflows. Um, besides that, we are working on, we, we've had a lot of people asking us about a supporting extension for the, for the editor. And that is, I've seen many extensions this week. <laughs> it's all I, I, I can say working, working in browser. Um, yes, and this all we we actually have. Uh, so I can't be way more, much more specific about that, uh, but I can be specific about the date uh, because we have a deadline for it. We will be announcing it on uh, VidConf. Uh, yes, which is something that we um, that we organize with the um, Vid team. Uh, and it happens on October 11th and 12th. Gotcha. Nice, nice. Looming deadlines are always a little bit uh, anxiety-inducing, but motivating often, you know. Yeah. So open to... Cool. Any, anything else you want to plug? Anything else you want to send send listeners to? Take a look at our um, documentation, as per, especially the part about uh, SDK. Uh, people, Some people that we've talked to are um, using the SDK in very uh, novel, interesting ways, doing like uh, different types of tutorial. Um, especially, you can look at uh, the new FeltKit tutorial. It uses uh, a Web Container API. So this basically gives you like an 
it, it's like a library for having an OS in your browser. So imagine like all the possibilities that your web app can do having that that resource, right? So uh, SDK, if especially if you are a um, documentation maintainer for your project, uh, take a look at our docs and uh, you can either create projects on the fly or you can import uh, some examples from uh, from a GitHub repository. So a lot of people have like the examples folder in their GitHub, and then there's like a bunch of examples. So you can uh, use that. And yeah, I think that's that's um, it. Besides that, uh, you can you can talk always talk to me at uh, I'm uh, Sulko S U L C O on Twitter and uh, ask, uh, complain, suggest <laughs> everything about stack this. I'm, I'm happy to talk. Awesome. Yeah, again, we'll, we'll be sure to get links to uh, like everything we can find in the show notes. Show notes probably like VCon, Twitter handle, all that stuff. Um, cool. Well, thank you so much for coming on and talking with me, Tomek. It's been a pleasure uh, letting me dig in a little bit. Um, yeah, thanks so much. Likewise, I'm always happy. I'm always happy to, to talk to another like uh, enthusiastic developer. This is Emily, one of the producers for PodRocket. I'm so glad you're enjoying this episode. You probably hear this from lots of other podcasts, but we really do appreciate our listeners. Without you, there would be no podcasts. And because of that, it would really help if you could follow us on Apple Podcasts so we can continue to bring you conversations with great devs like Evan Yu and Rich Harris. In return, we'll send you some awesome PodRocket stickers. So check out the show notes on this episode and follow the link to claim your stickers as a small thanks for following us on Apple Podcasts.